has done, but also to celebrate what God is doing, uh, and he is adding to our church. We are, we, are, we are so thankful for that, and so we want to take some time, and we want to uh, bring before you uh, the newest members of Gospel Fellowship. We want to celebrate with them. So at this time, we're going to have uh, Mr. Sandra come out and help us with this. Good morning. If I can have the slides for the new members, please. Wonderful. We're going to start with Rosie Beauchamp. Hurley Bertrand. Jasmine Duvall. Jean and Lynn Gassant. Rachel Hypoli is not here today, but we can applaud for her. Galene James. Sam Johnson also is not here today, but we love him, so let's applaud. Amy Labriel. Jimmy and Brittany Pierre. And last but not least, Anne Ulysses. Come on, y'all could do better than that. We are, we are super thankful uh, that God is adding to our church. He's doing what he does, and he's extending our family um, by his grace. And so 
uh, we want you to be praying in two ways. Number one, pray for us. Pray for our, our leadership here, our elders, our deacons, our staff, that we can serve them well. With a growing congregation, it also means there are growing demographics, which means our ministries need to grow, our youth ministry needs to grow. Um, there's other areas that need to grow, and so we pray for us that God will help us to, to serve them well. And then pray for them that they get plugged into the life and the body of our church, that they serve well, that they submit themselves to leadership, um, and that they grow their body. Amen? And so they have gone through three weeks of a course uh, to learn what our church is about, what our, the DNA of what our church is about. And they have signed covenants, amen, agreeing to that in Jesus' name. Uh, and just, so, so some of those things are that they are going to be involved in our church. They're going to serve. They're going to give. They're going to be faithful. Uh, they're they're going to be people that are loving and in community. So we can thank God for that. And in that, we partner to love and serve you as elders to lay down our lives for you, to be there to practice what we preach by God's grace. As I, as I told them, we are going to drop the ball. We're going to miss it in some area or another. We pray that as we give them grace, they give us grace. That's what family members do, right? And so we're excited for that. I'm going to pray, and then the elders and deacons and I are going to give you the right hand of fellowship that we see in the book of Acts, and then you cannot be on stage anymore and be nervous and go <laughs> to sleep. Let's pray for them. Would you stretch forth your hands and help me to pray for them? Father, we, we look back over five years, and in some regards, we say, don't know how you did it, but you did it. You've been faithful to us, and you're adding to us. And so I just pray for the newest crop of, of believers that are joining our family. We pray that, they, that you would knit them together to yourself, that by them being a part of this church, that they would grow and flourish and blossom. I pray for every gift to be stirred up in them. I pray that every area that you take them to, every region they find themselves in, God, that they blossom. I pray for the work of their hands. I pray for their families and their children. I pray that you would raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God, I pray a hedge of protection around your people. God, would you protect them? Would you keep them? And would you preserve them until your return? And so we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through this church and in the lives of your people. And so, God, we pray your blessing on them and help us to serve them well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Welcome. Right when I said take them out, amen, y'all. God bless you. You may be seated. We love you. So glad you're part of our family, amen. Well, if you, if your face was not in a place last night, I don't know what to say, but we had a time. Amen? We had a time. Um, so thankful for... Um, just our events team, and I'm not going to belabor by calling them up, but just 
um, Simone Lane, Audrey Moreland, um, Vicki Horn, Sandra Figueroa, just did an amazing, amazing job putting that event together. Somebody walked up to me at the end and said, let's do it again next year. I'm like, you don't even know what it costs. Look, unless you're ready to come to 27 meetings, you stay in your seat. No, we are thankful uh, for their love and labor in pulling last night off. It was, man, I woke up this morning and I was just like, oh, just, man, yesterday was great. And I almost kind of forgot about Sunday. I was just like, oh, man, my heart's just so full. Wait a minute. Uh, we got to do church today. And so I'm just thankful for that. Um, thankful for Dr. Terrell laying a word on us in about 15 minutes. If you were there, I say again to you, cut wood. Cut wood. And just had a great time dancing, cutting the rug. Uh, so I ain't going to put nobody's name out there, but y'all were doing y'all thing. So praise God. Um, and as I think about that, my mind goes to First uh, Thessalonians 2, verse 19 through 20. I want to start here. Paul says this. For what is our hope? our joy, our crown, in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. And what Paul is saying there is he is laboring, he is sowing, he is teaching, he is praying, he is traveling, he is church planting, he is, he, is, he is laying and establishing elders. And here's what he says after all of his work. What is the crown? What is the hope? What is the joy? Is it not the people he serves? And so I say to GF, we don't call it a pastor anniversary. This is not a pastor's anniversary. This is the church's anniversary, and this is not just Rod's anniversary. This is our anniversary, and we get to look and see what God has done. And I don't know if there's anything wrong with your eyes, but it is marvelous in our sight. For he has done great things, and so we thank him for that. Amen? Um, it's for you. Now, I was not supposed to be preaching this morning. A guy named Doug Logan uh, was supposed to be preaching, but I want to roll a video because I told Doug, I'm not telling them why you're not here. You got to tell them why you're not here. And so let's check out this video. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Doug Logan. Man, I couldn't make it. The storm held up some stuff, but I am so excited. Praise God for you guys. Praise God for you, for my friend, my brother who I look up to, um, the bishop, the most right, highly esteemed, Pastor Rodriguez. So, man, uh, I'm just praying for you guys. Pray that the storm didn't hit anything out in Florida. I heard the gala was off the chain. And so, man, I just want to say praise God for five years. I'm praying that God would give me also that God would out of the midst of you yeah. raise up new planters, new pastors, new elders, yeah. new ministry leaders, men and women of God to continue to give the devil a fit in South Florida. So I can't wait to get to you sooner than later in light of the delay because of the storm. But know that 
would hear a brother church and be a lovely. We had actually in our lovely. We're glad to serve with you. And we're praying that today is a ridiculous celebration to Jesus our God and King as he has kept you. Greater is his faithfulness to us and to you, gospel fellowship. Congratulations. Happy five year anniversary. Your I didn't even hear the, the music at the end. That was tight. Amen. So I'm just going to bring a brief word to you. I want to encourage you uh, out of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Uh, you can look at it on the screen. It reads this. Sometimes after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the sign he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountain and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast festivals were nearing. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked them only to test them, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there were plenty of green grass in the place. And they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciple, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled their 12 baskets with the piece, pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I want to talk very briefly from the text, offer up. Three points, come away and rest. Number two, what can I offer? Number three, as much as they needed, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you kept Doug. Thank you that you... Um, are faithful and even as Florence comes and throws off plans thank you that uh, you're sovereign and in control of it all God we fix ourselves here this morning wanting to hear from you more than a man and so God we say speak to us your word your truth what you will have and so we ask this in your precious name. Use this time to change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, our text starts off as we, this, this is one of the few parables in the Bible that, that shows up in all four Gospels, so it just highlights its significance. There's so much that we see in the text that I am not going to cover today. Stuff like how Jesus is the true and better Moses that really feeds the people the substance that they need. We could talk about stuff like how Jesus is our best example of compassion and how to be compassionate to other people. 
We could even segue and talk about leadership development and how Jesus is always challenging the people that he's discipling, discipling to become better leaders. We could talk about organizational management and how Jesus has them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. This is a very common story, even for us that we're not raised in church. We've heard the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 men, which is not including women and children. So faith estimates are somewhere around 15 to 20,000 people. We're very familiar with this story, but one of the challenges as I've said before about being familiar with the story, is we miss the power and the punch that sometimes is right before our face. In another passage that tells this story, in the book of Mark, Jesus tells his disciples who have just gone on their missionary journey and they are preaching and teaching and healing and casting out devils and they run back to Jesus and they want to just unload all that happened to Jesus because Jesus is discipling them. And so he teaches them, he models for them, he releases them, and then he checks back in to get the report. And the disciples are running to tell Jesus this report to look at what I've done, look at what I've accomplished. And they're trying to get some time with Jesus, but this crowd keeps coming. And so they go to the mountainside and the crowd follows them. And Jesus said to his disciples, come away with me and rest and eat. And this is a footnote for us at Gospel Fellowship. It has been five years and as I talk to other pastors, they say stuff like, Rodney, that's great. You're just beginning. And in, in, in many regards, we are. But five years is not a short period of time. And to watch what God has done over these five years, it has truly been a blessing to watch. And there's some excitement and there's some stories we want to tell. And there's some awesome things that God has done. And in the same breath, we want to say it's okay to come away and rest for a while with Jesus. That's the first thing I want to say to you out this text. It is important that we rest. Rest is not a sin. Rest is not something that is negative. Rest is not something that Jesus shuns upon. We need from time to time to come away and rest. There's a time to work in the kingdom. Laziness has no place in the Christian life. But being a workaholic is not spiritual. And so for time to time, God calls you away for a period of rest. And what I, one of the things I celebrate from this church and one of the things I think this church has taught me is you have taught me how to rest and how to take rest. You've taught that to me. You've taught me my need for, for on Mondays shutting it down. You've taught me the need for sometimes you're serving in the ministry and you need to take time away just so you can rest, re-engage with your family, be refueled. So Jesus, the first thing he says in this text is to, is to come away and to rest. But as we keep looking in the text, we see some other really, really good stuff that's important for us to walk away with this morning. Jesus sees this crowd, will not let his disciples get rest. And one of the things we learn about rest is sometimes you, 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 you want to take rest, but because of the need, you have to respond. And so you can't stiff arm people and say, I'm resting. If there's a like critical need, we need to respond. And this is what the disciples are doing. They are, they are getting ready to respond to Jesus and respond 
to those needs. He has moved with compassion, and Jesus starts to teach them. He starts to labor and to teach them. Beloved, teaching is so critically important. The gospel is so critically important. And when you put yourself under the word of God, it is one of the primary needs for the Christian. And you need to hear that coming out of the text. And so he just begins to teach and teach and teach. And it's getting late and late and late. And the disciples say, Jesus, you are long-winded. Cut this off. Stop, please. And Jesus says to them, I don't want to send them away like this. We got to do something about their needs. Jesus says, uh, we got to feed them before they leave. Now, in that time, there is no Chick-fil-A drive through for them to walk through and to look at Chick-fil-A. And no matter how long the line is, you know, because of the leadership development that's happening within Chick-fil-A, that drive through won't last as long as it looks. There's no quick place that they could go and grab food. And so he's telling the disciples, listen, there's a crowd. We got to feed them. The disciples are saying, listen, it would take a year and a half wages just for folk to get a bite. In other words, Lord, the need is so much greater than what you're asking for. You're asking for all of this, and we barely have anything. And a lot of times in ministry, is that not how it feels? That God, you've asked us to do this great work, but when I look in and of myself, I don't see the resources, I don't see the ability, I don't see the gifting. How are you going to pull this thing off? Is that not how it works in your life? When you have need or challenge or their issues and they seem to be so much higher than you are, they seem to be so overbearing in your life, don't you as an individual not cry out to God and say, how are you going to pull this thing off? And in the midst of that, we see Jesus still asking the question, how are they going to eat? And here's where I want to park out for just a few more minutes. There's this little boy with two fish and five loaves. I can see uh, his parents are not mentioned anywhere in the text. Don't mention his parents. We don't know where his parents are. We, all we know is he got two fish, five loaves of bread. He's packed a lunch, and he has followed the crowd to get to Jesus. Get the picture. I love it because the text says there are 5,000 people that are there, not counting women and children. If in, in, in the math, this boy is not even counted. He is regarded as insignificant. He's just some little boy that came to see the Jesus show. He packed the lunch, and he's in the place. And here's what's true. What he packed is the answer for 20,000 people. So when you look at yourself, you say, well, what can little old me offer or what can I give or what do I bring to the table? Little is much when Jesus is in it. And this is not just true of ministry. And some of you will look and say, well, yeah, Rodney, it's a church. And so you, you'll start with an idea and then five years later, you'll have this. No, he does this in your life and mine as well. Little is much when God is in it. This little boy, I can see him short, you know, just the crowd is tall and they're trying to figure out how they're going to feed these people. And the disciples somehow notice 
that this boy had two fish and five loaves of bread. If I was the boy, y'all, y'all would have never known I had two fish and five loaves of bread. I would have done what some of y'all do when you are at work and you know everybody at work is hungry and you say, I got to go run an errand. But the truth of the matter is you went to Chipotle and you don't want to share. And so you said, I ain't getting out of the car. We're going to have to eat this one in the car. (laughs) And then I'm going to come back like nothing happened. We just all hungry together, but you fool inside. Let it be me. I would have been in the corner with my two fish and five loaves of bread. Say, Jesus need to do something about this. This is a mess. Listen, but this boy heart ain't wired that way. This little boy becomes, becomes a highlight in our text. And, and, and we see, I can see the dis- disciples scurrying to figure out what they're going to do. And this little boy say, hey, I got something. I got two little fish, five loaves. And I love what the disciples say about this little boy and what he has. Here's the question but how far will they go amongst so many? Some of you right now in your life, there's this great challenge, this great hill, this great mountain, and you feel like David amongst so many that are fearful, and you're wondering, how is this going to get done? How am I going to raise my child now that so-and-so left? How am I going to deal with this marriage when everything is going on? How is this situation going to be resolved at work? I don't know how, and all I got is these little things. And what are these little things amongst so many people? Beloved, hear me this morning. Do not despise your your, your small beginnings. Do not despise the little things that you have. And you must stop looking at the little things and then looking at the big things and looking at the little things and then looking at the big things and looking at the little things and then looking at the big things. You must lift your eyes unto the hills. But what's coming my help, my help comes from the Lord. In math, we call this order of operations. And in math, if you, if you get wrong the order of operations, you can do the right math and get the wrong problem. And I think sometimes in our prayer, our order of operations is off. Because we keep looking at what we got and looking at what we need. Instead of first looking up to the hills from what's coming for our help. And if we would learn to first look there, he'll change how we see what we have, and he'll bring down how big that problem looks. And it's the same thing with GF. I love how Dr. Bird started that thing off last night. He quoted the statistics, 75,000 people in Boynton. And sometimes we could look at a church our side and say, what kind of dip are we going to make in Boynton? How can we even have an effect? What, 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 what's going to cause people to come to hear the gospel? Listen, little as much. When God is in it, and he's working on us, in us, through us, behind the scenes to bring about his glory, and it is by his grace that he has bid us to come along because I want you to be part of this. Our text, 2 Corinthians 5.20, says this. Listen to it. Watch the Bible. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal, there it is, through us. It's not just God making his appeal to the earth. He's making his appeal 
through us. In other words, if your coworker is going to hear, it's coming through you. If your children are going to be raised this way, it's coming through you. If you're going to have an impact where you're planted, it's coming through you. God could have done what he did in the Old Testament and just made manna fall from heaven. He could have done that. But look what he does. He calls the disciples and poses a question that he knows they don't have the answer to, but he got the answer. But he's still asking them. He's going to use this little boy who just thought he was bringing his lunch to feed 20,000 people, but he's going to use this boy and graph him into the story because he has a part to play. And finally, he's going to use the disciples to distribute this stuff out so people can eat and be full. As I started thinking about us, I started thinking, what stops us? What stops, what stops me? What stops GF from being like the little boy and just saying to Jesus, here's what I have. Do what you will. God does amazing work through people who, who may not have much, but whatever they have, they offer it to Jesus and say, do what you will with it. And I started thinking, Lord, this is what you want for us as a church. You want us to be people that offer what we have to you. How do we do this? Or what stops us from doing it? And I think there's three things, time, talent, treasure, first time. Sometimes we say, Lord, I would do more for you. I would serve you. I would follow you. I would give my life for you. But it's just I don't have time in my schedule. Or we say, this is the wrong season of life for me to follow you. So you caught me when I was young, and I'm still exploring life at this age. Or you caught me when I was right in the middle of my life, and I'm focusing on family and children and careers, and you, you caught me at a bad time because I have so many other things that I'm doing. How can I make time for you at this stage? I'll do it when I'm older. And then when we're older, we say, man, I've lived my life, and now I'm trying to give back to you, but am I still relevant? Do I still have a place at the table? Can I still influence and make an impact? You know what? I'll just leave that to the next generation. Some of us are, are challenged with giving. What we have is we say this. We say, these are my years. I got to take these years. I only got so much time to do X, Y, Z. And if I don't capitalize on this stage in my life, then I'll be hindered for the rest of my life. And here's what we fundamentally say is I know how to handle my time, God, better than you. So we hold on to our time, not knowing that Jesus wants your years, not just to fill them with ministry and giving and sacrifice. He wants your years to fill them with life overflowing and abundance. I can see this little boy. He brought his two fish and five loaves of bread, and now he gets to sit and watch Jesus offer his little stuff up to God and pray and give to the disciples and start passing out to all these people. He got to be thinking, wait, that was my basket, and now they're passing it out, but I know what I had in there. Well, look how much they passing out. Every time they must have given it to someone, the little boy's experiencing his personal miracle. How did that happen? Again and again and again and again. And I say to you, your, your years, your years, your 
your years. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Your talent, for most of you all, this is going to land as in regard to your career. This is going to land in regard to your career. And I want to say to you, he's worth your talent that you put into your career to be offered as a gift. Why? Because he wants you to live this boring life at work where all you do is talk about Jesus. No, he wants to teach you to be diligent and to be faithful where you are so you can be salt and light to the people that need it. He knows how to give you what you need. Amen? And then lastly, your treasure. He wants you to live a life of generosity. Why? Because God just wants your money? I would argue God don't need your money. He's trying to use your stronghold for some of us that we have on money to deconstruct the idol of money in your own life. He wants to teach you diligence through giving. And he wants to bless you to be a blessing to others. I mean, I've just lived long enough to know that this simple truth, stingy people are sad people. I'm the only one? Is that too strong for the anniversary? <laughs> you ever met somebody that don't give anything? Watch their life. But people that just give, you would think they're losing. You, you, you would think, man, they just gave the story, so they just lost something. No, the truth is they just gained and gained and gained. And the joy they receive from giving is more than the money they gave. Amen? Jesus, and I'm done. Jesus is trying to get them to understand, as he does this miracle, that the truth of the matter is Jesus is the bread of life himself. What is being passed out to people over and over again and multiplying from one little basket into enough to feed 20,000 people is a picture of how Christ will sow his life on the cross. This sacrifice for sin, but as he sows his life, we, thousands of years later, are still reaping the benefit of forgiveness and grace because Christ has sowed his life. And in the same way, he calls us to offer up to him the little we have and to watch God do big work with little resources. Because it's not about what we have anyway. Amen? You can all stand. I'll say this in closing. One of the men I wish were here that's not here is, again, my mentor, Pastor Daryl Johnson, and he would say this oftentimes. We would be somewhere. We would be doing something. We'll be having a great time. And then he would say, Rodney! This is the abundant life. You say that over and over again. What, what are you talking about? We just, whatever. Sometimes we'll be traveling. You say, Rodney, this is the abundant life. And many times he would say that because he brought me along with him somewhere that he paid a lot of money for me to get there. Because the way my account was set up, stuff didn't really work. You know, it was messed up. Um, and and it would be at great cost to him. 
but he was trying to show me, Rodney, when you follow Jesus, it's not born following him. It's not some dry, mundane life following Jesus. It's not some boring, constrictive, restrictive type of deal following Jesus. No, Rodney, when you follow him and when you serve others and when you sacrifice your life and you get the joy to see God transforming people from some little seed you sowed, that is life and life more abundantly. Rodney, it's not in the stuff. It's not in the houses. It's not in the cars. It's not even in the size of the ministry. It's not in the church. It's in your obedience and offering the little things you have up to God. And you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to look the best. Just offer the crumbs you have and watch God take the crumbs and make something out of nothing. Watch God use your little words of encouragement to people nearby you and watch him use those few words to start transforming their lives. All he needs, GF, all he needs from us is our yes. We give our yes to him. He does Big work with little resources. Just give them your yes of prayer. Give them your yes of exhortation. Give them your yes of serving, giving, administration, whatever the gift is. Just give it to him and watch him do exploits among us. It doesn't always show up in Chase and in Bank of America. But one day... One day when I stand before him, everything I lost would be counted as dung because I'll be standing before the king. Every sacrifice, every late night, every labor of love would be counted as nothing because we'll be standing before the king and everything that I lost on this side, I'll get back with interest because he's good like that. And so what do we do? We labor, we sacrifice joyfully. And every now and again, like on our fifth anniversary, he blows our minds and gives us a foretaste, an appetizer of what's coming in eternity. Beloved, I don't know about you, but I'm going to serve him. To the day that I die, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to give. I'm a sacrifice. I'm not going to stop until he calls me home because the God that I serve is faithful he's so faithful this morning let me pray for you I'll let you go let me know let me do this prayer team come quickly come quickly if you're here this morning and you need prayer for any reason I don't know what it is I don't know what it is but if you're here this morning you need prayer for any reason we want to pray we don't want to celebrate so much that we move past what you may need. So this morning, if it's need of encouragement, need of prayer, if you're saying, man, what does it mean to be a Christian to follow Jesus? We want to walk with you. We want to show you, talk to you, tell you what that means. If you need prayer for any other reason, God bless you. I'm going to ask that you come. Anyone else, come quickly. God bless you. Come quickly. Come quickly. God bless you. We want to pray, man. We don't do none of this. This is God's work. This is God's work. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Prayer team, come. Prayer team, come. Anyone else? 
what you've done in this short time. Lord, you see all the stuff that still needs to be done in this church, but that doesn't stop you from celebrating and, and smiling on what we've done. So we pray, God, your favor on this church, your, your blessing on this church and the churches in South Florida. God, thank you for every pastor that supports, every other ministry that supports. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. God, bless the effort and do much with our little. We give you praise and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together. Give God praise. You may be seated. Bonjour, mon ami. Béni soit l'Athénée. Say it with me. Béni soit l'Athénée. Gloria a el Señor.